let's get into today's message. Um, it's week four of our series, Living the Dream. And um, next week, we got another exciting sermon series that we're going to start to help equip and um, steward you. But um, how many of y'all are podcast listeners? Let me see your hand. Come on. You like a good podcast? You like a good show? There's a ton of sermons I like to listen to. Also, a lot of uh, Christian leadership ones. But there's this one that's not in the Christian uh, genre, even though I believe the, the man uh, is Christian. Uh, he, he, it's, a, it's a podcast that talks all about human behavior and why we act the way we do. Now, as a pastor, that, uh, that, that I'm excited about stuff like that because I always want the best for people. And I also like learning why we are the way we are and seeing how God would like to um, you know, tap into some of those things. Well, um, this podcast is called Revisionist History by one of my favorite authors and thinkers. His name's Malcolm Gladwell. If you love him, let me give you a quick shout. Come on, any other Malcolm Gladwells? Y'all need to open it up to Malcolm Gladwell, okay? I'm telling you, this brother, I, I love the way he thinks. And um, uh, there is one particular episode on revisionist history called Big Man Can't Shoot. And, and I'm telling you, I cannot highly recommend it enough. In fact, to give you a quick idea of what that episode's about, watch this quick video. Coming up on Revisionist History. Chamberlain going to the foul line. Chamberlain missed again. Chamberlain is 0 for 4 from the foul line. When Wilt Chamberlain came into the NBA, he was a horrendous free throw shooter. But Rick Barry... He was one of the greatest foul shooters of all time. Pop the wrist, follow through. And Rick Barry only shot underhanded. Rick Barry wanted to teach me how to shoot free throws underhand. I was like, I'm a hip-hop kid, Rick. I'd rather shoot 0%. Have you not tried anything to get better? This is a show about good ideas and why they have such difficulty spreading. That night he made 28 out of 32, which is pretty good, I think. Chamberlain has every incentive in the world to keep shooting free throws underhanded, and he doesn't. This sounds like it's going to be a show about basketball. Free throws underhand. It's not. Next up on, Come on Revisionist History. All right, so it sounds like, hey, Pastor Drew, we're supposed to talk about Jesus and everything, right? Why are we talking about basketball? It's, it sounds like it's about basketball, but it's not. And so he, he dialogues that there's, there's two players in the NBA. Will Chamberlain, even if you don't know much about basketball, you've probably heard his name before. One of the most prolific scorers in all of basketball history. The problem is, on the free throw line, big man can't shoot. He shot uh, less than 40%, which is a terrible percentage. In fact, you become a liability on a basketball team when you can't shoot your free throws towards the end of the game because people will just follow you knowing you can't make the shot when I put you on the free throw line, and so they take your best players out of the game, literally. Uh, except for one year. In 1962, the big man who was lighting everybody up shooting decided to take Rick Barry's advice and to shoot that year alone underhanded from the free throw line. 40% free throw shooter as a career went up to 85% of his shots now started going in. In 1962, it is the only time a basketball player has ever scored 100 points in a game. It will never be surpassed again. In fact, Kobe Bryant once tried to do it, and he was off by double digits, even though he gave a prolific performance. Why did Wilt Chamberlain 
score 100 that, that particular game, it's because it was the year he was shooting underhanded. That game, he went 28 of 32 from the free throw line. That is an 88% free throw percentage. Had he shot his usual way overhanded, he would have, been, he would have missed the 100-point mark by at least double digits because he was no good on the line. In fact, um, uh, the very next year, you would say, hey, this is working for him. He's going to go down in history as one of the greatest shooters of all time because he's going to up his point tally. No, the very next season, big man went back to shooting from the line overhanded, and his free throw percentage fell below 40% again. In fact, you would say Chamberlain once wrote about this in an autobiography. He wrote this about himself. I felt like a sissy shooting underhanded. I know I was wrong. I know some of the best foul shooters in history shot that way. Rick Barry shoots underhanded. I just couldn't do it. And you might ask, why, Wilt? If you know it's right, what's stopping you from doing the right thing? And the answer is, somebody important to me might think I'm a sissy. Now, I think there is something in a lot of us that feels similar way. That when we know what is right, we still don't always do right because we're a little bit worried about the impression of what somebody might say about me or think about me. Well, Rick Barry, he, he's a bit of a contrarian. He scored 90% from the free throw line, one of the best of his time, and very few people have surpassed him. And he said this in a quote, It's almost incomprehensible to me that someone could sacrifice their success over worrying what someone says about you or worrying how someone feels about you. And we're like, thanks a lot, Rick Barry. <laughs> oh, if we could all be like Barry, but we're not. A lot of us are not like Barry, where we just do what we know is right, regardless of the social repercussions. And so I wish we could all be like Rick, but he's still got a point. And here's the big point I'm trying to make for the rest of the time today. And this is what the question faces us. Why would we sacrifice what is right just to be liked? That's the big question today. Why would we sacrifice what is right just to be liked? Today, today's message is entitled, The Disease to Please. It's one of the dream killers, uh, 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 one of God's dream killers in our lives is when we get so caught up on the endless pursuit of approval. It's when we pursue people's applause more than we pursue God's applause. In fact, many of us suffer from this. Raise your hand if you think sometimes you care a little too much about what other people think about you. Raise your hand. Come on. Let me see it. All right. If you're not raising your hand, maybe it's because you care a little too much about what other people think of you. You're like, I can't raise my hand. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a people pleaser, which you are pe pleasing people right now by doing that. Hey, listen, you're not alone. There's so many of us who are like this. In fact, the theologian Michael Scott once said this, do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. I have to be liked, but it's not like the compulsive need to be liked, like my need to be praised. Come on. Anybody feel a little bit like a Michael Scott from time to time? 
And, 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 and we get in these um, situations. Now, my Enneagram number twos have been like, this is the message for me. Come on. I live my life number twos. If you know the Enneagram, they live their life for the approval of people. That's what gets them in their sweet spot. Number eights are like, Rick Barry's my hero. Why don't more people just shoot straight and cut people t- like saying, why would you care? Wilt Chamberlain, right? Because some of us are better than others on not caring about the opinions of others, yet most of us have this in common. We will do what we know is not right just to be liked. We go along with it so often. And sometimes the more popular the crowd is or the more attractive it is or the the more number of people in that crowd oftentimes will get us to do things we know is not right in order to be liked. Harriet Breaker once said this, the disease to please is actually a form of addiction. Like a drug addict seeks drug, people pleasers seek approval. And so we got to be mindful of this because people pleasing can come in different forms. It can come in the form of people pleasing in tasks. It can come in the form of people pleasing in image. Do you like it when I, t- when I take a picture like this? Do you like it when I wear my hair like this? Should I change it? Would it make you like me more, right? We, we can be people pleasers with our image and we can be people pleasers with our status. You end up going to a party you don't want to even be at because if you don't show up at that party, What will it mean for your status when you go the next day? And so we do things we don't even want to do. We we end up drinking things we don't even want to drink. We even say say yes to things we don't want to say yes to because we're worried about pleasing people. One of my favorite stories about this is I love leading trips, uh, short-term missions trips. We're about to send our first one out uh, of um, Lift Church in February. I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. We've tried to do that, but COVID and and the places we tried to go to had governmental unrest in Haiti, and so it just hasn't worked out yet, but we're about to send a team of 20 in February to Belize. Now, how many of y'all have gotten to to go on a missions trip or you've been to somewhere international before, okay? Raise your hand also if you've bought a car before, okay? So listen, have you been to a place where the price is not really the price? You know, where negotiation is expected. I, w- I led a team one time to Haiti, and we went souvenir shopping, and they told us ahead of time, the price is not the price. Whatever they tell you it is, they would love it if you would just buy that, but you can negotiate, haggle a little bit on the price. Well, we had one people pleaser on the trip who is a five-star person with people. I'm telling you, everybody loves this person, and there's a reason why, because he's just so good with people. He's so good with people that one guy who owned a a hut, a shop, came up to him and was like, you come to my hut. You come to my hut next. You come to mine. You you, you buy all your souvenirs here. (laughs) And our boy said, he said, yeah, I'll be there in just a minute. I'm about to go in this shop, okay? That guy was waiting for him, okay? He goes into the shop. He comes back out. The guy said, you said you'd come to my hut. You come to my hut now. And the guy says, where's your hut? And he's like, three huts down. He goes, okay, I'm going to get there, but I'm also going to check out this 
this guy. He asked me to come too. So he's just trying to manage people the whole time. I'm like, just buy your souvenirs and do what you got to do, my friend. But he was, he was so good with them that by the time he came out of the third hut, the guy put it on him. He put the full court press on him. He said, you said three times now you'd come to my hut next. You have not come to my hut yet. <laughs> Our guy pulls out a 20. He goes, I'm so sorry, man. I am never going to make it to your hut. Here's $20 for an apology for, for just wasting your time. <laughs> I pulled him aside. I was like, you do not have to please this guy to that degree. Come on. Um, I, I can remember moving from the New Orleans area to the Baton Rouge area when I was in sixth grade. I went from a private school to a public school, and all of a sudden, like, I realized there's another gender, right? And like, hello, girls are there, all right? And there was this, there was this, this cute girl, fine girl named Laura, and I had my eyes on, on Laura until Laura came to me one day, like, smiling, giggling. I was like, this is my day. Like, I got it so together. She's going to ask me. And she said, I got a question to ask you. And you knew it was, like, love-related. You know, it wasn't about algebra or anything like that. You go, Come on, baby. Keep the math to the side. Let's just talk physics, honey. All right, so anyway. <laughs> so, so she comes, talks, and she goes, hey, Drew, um, my girlfriend, Rihanna, really likes you. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And she was just like, I think it would be really cute if you, you two dated. And I'm like, you think it would be cute? Okay, for you, girl, I'm going to date your girlfriend. <laughs> I've never dated before. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm telling you, I, I, I was lost in this world. So I'm in a relationship I don't even want to be in to please Laura, who doesn't seem as into me as her friend Rihanna is. And so I can remember months, thank goodness we didn't have texting back then, because it was just a call here and there, and like, you want to go to movies, my parents will drive us, you know, come on, it's really humbling, it was really difficult, and I remember thinking, I got to break up with this girl, I don't even know how I got in this relationship, but I don't want to hurt her, and I definitely don't want Laura let down, so how do I break up with Rihanna without hurting Laura, and so I remembered, you know, hey girl, <laughs> um, I don't even know what I'm doing, but like, uh, can we stop? And, and, and I remember that, and, and listen, praise the Lord. Laura wasn't the right one, but God had me on the right track because I got a Lauren later on. Come on. And that was the plan of God uh, on our lives, and I'm so grateful for that. But you know, we've all done some dumb things before just to please people around us. Will you like me better? Will you say yes? And so um, you might think, but Pastor Drew, is, it just this, is this just a social problem? And I would say, no, this is a very big spiritual problem. It's got spiritual implications. Here's four reasons it's got spiritual implications. Number one, it's a little bit long, but it's good. So maybe you just need to take a picture of it on the screen. But this, that Satan can weaponize the need for approval to make us act squirrely, push people away, or ruin key relationships in our lives. And I see some of you going, uh-huh, I've seen that one before. I know exactly what he's talking about, right? You ever had somebody that you're just like, bro, you trying too hard because you, you got a need for approval? And, 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 and you make me kind of push it away. An otherwise great person all of a sudden just kind of be pushed to the side. And you're not alone. Theologian Michael Scott said, do I need to be like? <laughs> Come on. He's the guy who would push people away because of his need for approval. See, sometimes I think Satan, he knows our weaknesses. He knows that if he can get us in our weakest point, he can take God from us and us from God. 
Let me say that again. Satan knows our weaknesses and he knows that if he can take us out as our weakest point, he can take us from God and God from us. And so he'll weaponize it and make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. I've been pastoring for a long time now and I've seen people who are like, I like these people so much I've tried everything to make them like me. And I'm like, stop trying so hard. It's making them not like you. <laughs> Calm down. And see, the problem is you're looking for a person to fix you that can only be fixed by God himself. It's a whole, it's a need, it's a search for approval that you're only going to find in God. And that is too heavy of a burden for any other human being to carry for a long period of time. If you are in a relationship that is always you need to give out to approve of someone for them to be healthy, I would say pray about that relationship because it's going to be a difficult, heavy road. That's why you need Jesus as number one in your life. And so and sometimes it's weaponized. The guy that's probably pretty cool can't stop being weird. Uh, maybe I'm on an entertainment kick because in November we got at the movies coming up. How many of y'all excited about this series? All right. And so I've seen the Lego movie because it's animated and it's funny. Okay. And, and one of the things that they say about Emmett, the star guy, is they say um, people start saying about him, look, Randy here, he likes sausage. That's something. Gail is perky. That's something. All he does is say yes to everything everybody is doing. We all have something that makes us something. Emmett is nothing. In other words, the guy who perpetually lived to please everybody didn't really have an identity and nobody really knew who he was because he acted squirrely and it pushed people away. Number two, here's a second spiritual implication. If we don't ruin relationships by our need for approval, we ruin our testimony or our character. Come on. The guy who was known as a great Christian leader gets caught up in a scandal because I need to appease the board or because I need to appease my followers or because I need to appease people who are into me. And all of a sudden, a great Christian leader is now in a scandal. Or how about the girl who needs the approval of the popular people so much so that the next thing she finds out, she is labeled as the loose one. And that is the nicest of all terms that would be used today. It's because in me, in me and so many of us, we have a need for approval that we end up doing what we know is not right in order to be liked and it ruins our character and they say you ain't what you say you are you're not living the life God called us to here's the third reason it's spiritual living for the approval of men more than the approval of God is idolatry I know it's a tough one but anything we put ahead of God is called idolatry. So when we search for people's affirmations, when we search for the person sitting next to us to like us more, when we search for people in our household to need to affirm us, we, are, we need to find that from God first. Otherwise, it's idolatry. It's the battle to please people over pleasing God. I like what Eleanor Roosevelt said. You shouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realized how seldom they do. <laughs> Everybody's not thinking about you. I've gone in places before where I was like, I, I was sure I heard my own head or the enemy in my head or maybe I thought it was God saying, don't go. They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to make fun of you. They're all talking about you. They're all going to notice you. They're all going to find out you got a booger in your nose. They're all going to. They ain't thinking about you. They're thinking about their favorite subject themselves. 
Because we do that a lot too. We're thinking, do I look good enough for the person at the cafeteria table sitting right next to someone going, do I look good enough for the, come on. And we're thinking about ourselves. So we shouldn't care so much and give so much credit to other people. I think Satan's deceived us into thinking key people matter more than Christ. If they like me, I'm in. If he likes me, I'm cool. If they say yes, I got a promotion waiting. But John 12 says this, because of the Pharisees, in other words, hard-nosed religious leaders of the time, because of the Pharisees, many people would not openly acknowledge their faith. Say these next two words with me, for fear. Let's say it again, for fear of, that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than they loved the praise from God. We got to be careful, worship leaders. If you live for the praise that comes from a human more than God just going, I heard you today. Sometimes you walk off the stage, why didn't the sound man turn me up? Nobody could hear me today. It was a waste of time. God's saying, did you play for me? <laughs> because I approve of you, right? We could do that too. No one acknowledged my serve. The creative team didn't post a photo of me serving this week. Why do they always post a photo of her? I ain't getting any shout out this week. I ain't gonna come on. Listen, we gotta make sure that we live for his. And here's the fourth spiritual implication: this insecurity can hold us back from living God's best life. Makes us it, it just throws us off. Um, and so what's the solution? Here's the key scripture for today. The most important scripture you could take away today, get out your notes, write this one down, Proverbs 29, 25. I love Proverbs. It's short and it's to the point and it carries weight. Proverbs 29, 25 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. That word snare is meaning two things. It means a trap. Fear of man is a trap. Uh, one commentary put it painfully, okay? So brace yourself, hold on to your seat a little bit, okay? Because when I read this, I was like, ooh, okay. Anyway, he who, through the fear of what man may do to him, think or say of him, does what he knows to be wrong, lets his moral cowardice lead him into sin, or leaves duty undone, such a man gets no real good from his weakness, outrages conscience, and displeases God. It's like, ooh. He calls it a moral cowardice to be so concerned and fearful of people more than to be fearful of the opinion of God. We know morally what is right to do. I just don't have the courage or the strength or the guts to go against the grain. That's why Jesus said the road to, to, to hell is wide and many people are walking that the road to me is narrow and few people embrace it. It's because we actually have to walk against the grain and not fear what man's opinions of us are. The, the word snare, fear of man will prove to be a snare, is either a trap for catching animals where an animal was once free and now it's stuck because it's got a limb caught in a trap and you lose your freedom. It also means the fear of man is a snare, meaning a ring that goes in the nose of an animal so that you can control it. At any time, you could go over here, and you just, yep, 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 yep. 
Didn't you know we're all going over here? Okay, yep, 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 I'll do that. Come on, just, just give me one of those. Come on. Huh. We are all talking like this. We're all saying this. We're all acting like this. We're all doing this. We know it's wrong, but come on anyway. And you're just like, okay, yep, yep. It's painful. It's painful when you don't approve of me. It's painful. So I just let anyone at any time grab a hold of my life, even when I least suspect it. And I just let them drag me all over wherever they want to go. We got to get we got to get the trap out. The only way to get rid of the trap is to get rid of the fear of man. And how do we do that? How do we resolve this? And by the way, can I say this? God's very different. God's not looking to trap you. God's looking to give you freedom. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus, God sent Jesus, it was for freedom that Christ, if you know it, finish it with me, sets you free. So God wants you to be free. The enemy just wants to stick a ring in you. It's like, oh, yep, yep, I'll do it. I'll do it. Just like me. Just, just give me the blue check. Just approve of me. So what's the remedy? Proverbs 29, 25, still in the same scripture. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever, say this word with me, trust in the Lord is kept safe. Come on, the cure is not to write people off or to become mean. You're up here going, yeah, Pastor True, we're not full of people pleasers. We need to be mean to people and live for Christ. And that's not the message at all, okay? I'm not giving you permission to be uh, rude, harsh, or like, I don't have to please you. All I got to do is please God. You got that? Right? No, 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 no. That's not the heart of God. What the heart of God is, though, is more important than pleasing you. And I want your approval. I need to live for pleasing him. Okay. And when I do, I'm in a safe place. That's why many psalmists said, God, running to you is like running to a refuge. When I'm in the midst of a storm and life's going like this and all my emotions are all over the place. When I get in you, when I spend time in you, when I stand on your word, when I do what it says, I found that my feet are on a firm foundation. I find that I'm no longer on sinking sand, but I'm steady. I'm on a solid rock. Come on. I got, I got a place where I can get my bearings right and get my perspective right and I'm safe in you I'm safe in you that's why we need to pursue him and him alone because it's not safe in the crowd because the crowd will turn on you it's not safe seeking the affirmations of people because they'll give the job to somebody else the moment you are no longer worthy of it L listen it's safe in him he's the one who said I'll give my life for you come on this, this ain't inside out I'd die for Riley I'd die for Riley there's only one person who died for you. His name's Jesus. It's not someone hypothetically saying, Curl, you're so good, I'd die for you. No, 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 no. He already put his mouth, he put, he put his actions where his mouth, I, I screwed it up, but you know what I'm talking about. Where the rubber met the road, he did it. I don't know, one of those things. He did it. <laughs> and they just talking about it. So why wouldn't we put our number one hope in him? Isaiah 51, 12 says, God says this, I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? Their time is very short and fleeting. They're not going to last long. I'm eternal. I made you on purpose. I am the creator of your soul. I care for you. I died for you. I am the one who can comfort you. Not them. Oh, they liked my post. Oh, they let me sit with them at the table. Oh, they invited me to the party too. Last year, I didn't get the invite. I don't know why they didn't give me an invite, but this time I got the invite. No, 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 listen. 
I am the one who comforts you. And when I find my security in him, now I can be the very person that is sure and rooted and secure in the rock on which I stand. In fact, write this down. The only affirmation I need is from the only one who died for me. The only affirmation I need is from the only one who died for me. I don't need somebody else to approve of me. I like it. I don't need it. I got to live for the audience of one. So here's how it is practically for me. I would have drawn this, but pray for the building because then we'll have better technology that's like linked up through Wi-Fi. Right now, we try to do everything through mobile hotspots. Do you know online right now, there is a 150-foot wire running out the backyard into the parking lot that is uploading the feed for you guys. That's how hard our media team works for you guys. Did you know that? Come on. I'm telling you. It's pretty cool. Walk out the back doors and look in the dashboard. You'll see an antenna out of a white... Corolla. <laughs> Just like, what? Okay. I would have drawn this for you, but I'll, I'll old school flannel graph it for you. Okay. What does it look like? I want to please my parents. I want to please my spouse. I want to please my kids. I want to please my boss. I want to please my government. I want to please my coach. I want to please my teacher. You should want to, but they're all on this level. God's on a level all by himself. I must please him. That's where my comfort comes from. So how does this play out practically? Let me give you a formula. If your kids say no and God says yes, I go with the yes every single time. <laughs> if, if your teacher says yes and God says no, I go with God every single time. If your, if your spouse says yes and God says yes, it's yes, baby. Come on. It's a win-win. If your government says yes and God says no, I go with God. That's what it means. You can live for the approval of your culture and go, what, you don't believe in that and you don't do that too? Okay, I'll do that if you just like me. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be cantankerous. I don't want to be difficult. I don't want to, no, 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 no. I love you and I want your approval. But if what you say differs from what God says, his way wins every time. And that's what it means to live for his approval alone. So let me finish by saying this. Back to Wilt Chamberlain. Why would you sacrifice what is right just to be liked? Many of us are in that category. We could be like Wilt Chamberlain and say, I knew it was wrong, but I thought people would think I'm a sissy. So I didn't do it. I did what the crowd wanted me to, even though it didn't lead to my success. Or you consider what Rick Berry said. It's incomprehensible to me that someone could sacrifice so much over worrying what someone says about you. And Lift Church, I hope you figured out by now we're not talking about basketball. As long as there is a real heaven and there is a real hell, I don't know why you would sacrifice so much to please somebody today when it won't matter for an affinity in eternity. So I can't live for the approval of people. I got to live for the approval of God. And I'm not just talking about the day you die. I'm also talking about today. Because today it's the difference between living on purpose and living meaninglessness. Meaningless. Wastefulness. Let me say a word that has not two nesses in there. Meaninglessness. Anyway. 
Because when I live for what God says in his approval, I'm living on purpose. And I was knit together in my mother's womb and he has a work for me and I'm accomplishing it. But when I'm just living for people, I'm just wasting space, breathing air, killing time. So we're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about purpose and wastefulness. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to read that scripture one last time in the Good News Translation, Proverbs 29, 25. Listen to this and meditate on it. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Our souls long for safety. Maslow said it's like the second most important need for every single person. Where do we find our safety? It comes from you. No wonder Maslow discovered that because it comes from you. And so our heart and our soul wanders looking for it. And we can only find it in you. Father, many of us are probably convicted by this message. And we realize that, man, I, I, I do chase the approval of others. I've, I've cared about what parents or in-laws say more important than what God says. I've cared about what uh, the teacher or the influencer said. I cared about these things more. I cared about what the government said. I cared about what my political party said. I cared about these other things. God, help us live for kingdom above every other thing. Help us care about what you say above every other thing. And I know it's hard. So this is what I'm asking over myself and all your people that you would give us the boldness the Holy Spirit brings. You said to Joshua, be courageous, for you're going to go into a land and you're going to take it. Because it was a stronghold for a worldly way of thinking. And the world would often mock, you are never going to get in here. You are too weak. Your God is not sufficient enough. And yet you said, be courageous. So, Father, we repent of thinking that you can't handle it, Father. We repent of worrying about our ego. We repent of worrying about our situation. We want to be true believers of you. So, Father... Help us be courageous and to take a stand where we need to. Help us be loving in all that we do. Help us to be caring, but help us to live for the audience of one instead of the audience of everyone. In Jesus' name I pray. And with every head bowed, every eye still closed, there are some of you in here right now saying, Pastor Drew, I feel like I'm wrestling on the inside because I know I'm not right with God. And I believe that's the Holy Spirit just kind of convicting you today, saying, you are, you've got sin in your life, and we don't need to hide it. Here's what I love about the Holy Spirit. He's not telling you that so that you can sit in shame. He's telling you that so that you can repent of your sins, and God will wipe it out. Like it was for freedom that you were set free. He hasn't stuck a ring up in your nose just to carry you around going, ah, ah, you step out of line, I'll call you back out on this, and I'll tell everyone about it. No, he's saying, listen, I sent my son, Jesus, he was my very best, to die for that sin, pay the price, so that you don't have to carry the shame anymore. The bill's already been paid. Just give it to me. Confess your sins now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you know, I've got some sin to confess with God, and I want to get right in this place today and give him my life. Come on, I'm not going to call you down or embarrass you, but I don't want you to be embarrassed right now before God to just say, that's me, Pastor Drew. Include me in that prayer. Come on, if that's you, just throw your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see courageous people all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. 
Thank you for your hands everywhere. If you're online and you're like, that's me too, just write in the chat, I'm in. That's me too. And we're going to include you. And Lift Church, I don't like praying alone, so I'm going to ask everybody here to pray along with those who raised their hands. And we're going to make a confession of our faith. Let's pray together, especially those who raised their hand. Let's say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes and done dumb things. I know I hurt you. I hurt others and myself. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't want to live like that anymore. Will you forgive me of my sin? I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for me. So that in this moment, I can be free. I am forgiven because of the blood that Jesus spilled for me at Calvary. You are my Lord, and I love you. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. Come on, get wild and round.